0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org, where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Shava. Thank, thank you so much, Martha, and thank you... Um, Nikki, for um, inviting me to come speak. I'm Sheva, um, and I'm a compulsive over-eater. Um Welcome to the newcomers who either did or didn't identify, um, and congratulations to all the chip takers tonight. It is just incredibly moving to me to see us recover. Um, and I'll be struggling against tears of gratitude <laughs> pretty much for the rest of the hour. Um, um or with struggling with um, I was on the way over here, and i I've been um, I'd been doing a fairly good job on and off the past few days of beating myself up for um, my nervousness, thinking that it was more evidence of one of my defects of character of pride and ego, and then I realized I finally got humble enough on the way over to really talk to to the God of my not understanding about it. And I and I realized in talking to God, like, oh, it's I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of ego. I have plenty of ego. Um but but what I really realized was a lot of my nerves about speaking this evening have to do with how much I wanna share. And and just like Oh no! Well, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say all the things that I have in my head or that I'll have like two hours from now, you know, the perfect pitch um, in mind. But, um, but that's that's a big piece of my program today is, is, in getting close to the God of my understanding, um, seeing seeing myself a little bit more clearly, for my real defects. Um, and hindrances, and the stuff that I, you know, grew up with and brought with me, and then the stuff that has changed or that's always been there and is really positive and makes a contribution to the world and that I, you know, never have thought was good enough. Um, so um, I just wanted to put that out there that, um, yeah. <laughs> so um, so what was it like and what happened and what's it like now? I, um, I... I grew up in a family where I felt myself to be in training to be a compulsive overeater, um, and I, but I didn't, you know, show the disease on my body or, um, and I wasn't really aware of it in my mind consciously um, until I became a young adult. And um, in a recent food history, I had like a sudden. This is, by the way, four years into program. I'm like, oh, it started to manifest when my family exploded. Like, oh, how about that? How about that? That I had learned all through my childhood that like some very important principles in my family. And bless them. They are I they are the family that I was born into and I'm forever grateful for them. And through my working the steps I have been able to um share what's happened to me, forgive them, forgive myself for the anger that I've had towards them and the things that I've done um, toward my family in, in my resentment. But And they did the best they could with what they had. But there were these principles that I learned really well and really early. And one was um, that, that food is love, and food is, especially sweets are, just where it's at, you know. When I think about our favorite foods and the foods associated with my cultural heritage, they were really sweet and really special, and and I looked forward to them with all my heart. Um, and and my family joined in with that. And um, and and then um, I also learned this other really important principle, which is, um, yes, yes, of course we all love food, but if it if you can't control your food. And, and if, God forbid, you're overweight, then, then you're a bad person. You're not attractive, you're not really lovable, and, and you're not as worthy, let's say, as worthy as you will be when you lose that weight. Um, the, the how of how weight loss could happen or how controlling, you know, not being completely powerless to overeating would happen was beyond me. I mean, it was never shown to me. So I had one person in my family, um, my mom, who really struggled um, with, with, with eating um, more than she wanted to, more than she could stop herself from eating. And, and then my dad and my sister, who were somehow controlled, um, you know, they had their, you know, my, whatever, They had their other ways of coping, but I always remember walking into my dad's study when he was hard at work, and there would be a single square of of Hershey's chocolate (laughs) sitting on his desk, and he kept those huge Hershey bars in his desk. I know exactly where they were, because I would go and steal them, Um, and it was only fear that kept me from eating the whole bar that didn't belong to me, certainly not any notion of integrity. I only learned that in this program. but I certainly did not learn. How in the world do you keep that one square on your desk, you know, all evening and only eat that one? Um, and and I see it in others. Now I'm gratefully married to a wonderful man who is a normie, and he he will sometimes, you know, he likes his dessert, but he'll leave a cookie out overnight. That he, I just. Can't understand how that happens. I will, you know, I've known this man for 16 years. I have not a clue. So when I finally came into this room, it didn't into these rooms rather. I didn't. It didn't take me too long before I need. I could admit that I, I don't. I can't manage this food thing on my own. uh, so I knew those principles, you know, food is, is, is where we turn for love, for reward, for soothing, all that. Uh, all, all, the, all our emotional needs can be met by food and, you know, but you should control it somehow. Go figure that one out. And um, and I, I do feel that I was protected for many years, um, even amid the tumult of my, my family that um, was really... Um, troubled as many of ours are I'm not unique um, although I really felt that way um, coming into program um, and uh, you know had addictions and and uh, um, mental severe mental illness um, and and just a lot of pain that that nobody knew how to talk about um, or certainly like recover from um, a day at a time that just didn't exist so um, we muddled through, and um, and I felt protected somehow, so, until um, when I got to college, I um, and I even at one point was put on a diet, um, and even there, when I think back on that, I was told I had high cholesterol, and my mom insisted that I not go on meds when I was so young, and she placed me on a diet, and it was very rigid um, for a 12-year-old. I somehow went ahead with it, and I don't remember much about it, but it worked and and that's like a lot of my early years of just I don't know how I did that, and I guess it was okay and um, but when I would try later on to diet, I could manage only for a, a very short while i i i I'm embarrassed to say it today, but I spent years like envying. Um, friends or, or acquaintances who were anorexic or bulimic because I thought oh what discipline or what a solution that I just didn't have and um, and today I thank God understand that that's just you know there, there are many many faces of this disease but the, the the pain and anguish of not knowing how to live in this world without having a really troubled relationship with food that's common to all of us um, and there's no Easy fix for that. Um, So in college, um, I was really uncomfortable with the attention that I received for my, you know, for how I looked. Um, And, um, and again, I felt really protected by that in high school because somehow in my little high school, um, the girl who was deemed the most beautiful was heavy. And she was a great athlete, and she had a pretty face, and she was so likable and just loving. And that was a gift to all of us. And um, unfortunately, she also, be, you know, be- began to have troubles with food in college. Like, I felt like we all left this bubble and had a very rude awakening. Like, that is not how the world, that's you know, not the rules of the rest of the world. The, and um, the rules of the rest of the world somehow match better what my family said about weight. So I um, I was uncomfortable. I was in a normal weight in, in college, starting college. But... Um, but began to put on weight because I was turning to food, and I was in charge of my food in a really big way, right? Um, and uh, my friend and I used to, um, you know, deal with the, the intensities of being a freshman in college by um, spending the evening getting stoned and going to hang out with our friends, Ben and Jerry. <laughs> really. And, we we you know, we share a pint, and, um, and when she came back after freshman year, Done with them. Um, I was done with her, and I was really hurt, and again mystified because she had lost weight. And what? How did that happen? How do you do that? We never talked about it. Um, we're friends today, and and um, have thankfully moved past that that stage. But I never, at the time, I still wasn't thinking consciously about how food related to all of that. And another thing that happened to me in the beginning of college was that when I said I was uncomfortable with the way people looked at me or or treated me, there were all these assumptions I started to see were being made about if you're attractive or if I think you're attractive and, uh, you know, I must think, not me, but if someone thought me attractive, then I must also be a bitch. Um, Excuse my language. Um, But, you know, like there were all these uh, behaviors or personality um, traits that were supposedly associated with that. And I was so uncomfortable with those. But I didn't know any other way besides to... Make myself. What I believe today was that I kind of put on a this big, soft, comfortable jacket of a few extra pounds um, because it was much too scary to stand up and say, "Actually, I'm not that person you think I am," um, and I'm going to go ahead and live my life. I just couldn't do that back then, um, and so I, I I wore extra pounds through college, and then when my family fell apart um, right after I graduated, um, and my par- you know my parents split up, and a lot of. And, like history came out that I'd never been privy to before, and was very, very upset by. Um, I began again, not consciously, but just starting to do the swing up and down the scales, first five pounds, then ten pounds, then fifteen, until so when I came into these rooms, I was up and down I think five dress sizes and um you know maybe twenty or twenty five pounds, and it's you know the the first chapter of um, the AA 12 and 12 talks about a high bottom, which I remember my first sponsor talking about me having, and I, that's not a reference to my behind. It's, it's the idea that, you know, that I needn't, I, I needn't be X number of pounds overweight or, um, or you know, with my head in the toilet X number of times a day to be qualified to be in this program, to be ready to do it differently. And so... Um, so I spent 10 years going up and down the scales, um, living my life, but with food as the barometer of my self-esteem. And, and when I first came into program, I could tell someone and I told my sponsor this in our first conversation kind of like the details of year by year I you know my life was great at this point and I had this going on professionally romantically whatever and this is how much I weighed and then and then the next year or like more like 3 months later I was this weight and I was really depressed and my relationship fell apart and um and and I had assumed that was because I was at a higher or lower weight that my life was better or worse and my sponsor said wow, I, I can't remember the exact words, but what I re- took away was like, wow, you, I wonder what was going on for you at that time when you were at those lower weights that allowed you to care for yourself, like to be loving to yourself with food. And that was so contrary to the way my head worked, where I thought my food and my size governed the rest of my life rather than the opposite. Um and it's obviously more complicated than that, because when I do choose to eat in a way that's not healthy today, it does affect my next hour or week or month even but um, but but I'm learning a day at a time that my that how I am in the world is not. Ha- it does not have to be a function of exactly how many pounds the scale says, and today i don 't know my weight actually it makes me very uncomfortable sometimes but um, but ultimately, I see that as a freedom that I gained from this program. That was a concept that was completely foreign to me and and which I had to really practice repeatedly because I had a child in this program, and, and that, so those of you who have who have been pregnant or have someone in your life who's pregnant there 's a you know there's a weighing in that happens with increasing frequency as you get larger and larger and it's up to once a week or more that someone's taking your weight and I learned with support from you how to turn around and and let them know do my homework so that no everybody knew without shame from me that like I just didn't need to know that and their my medical care and health was in their hands. So if I needed to know something, they would tell me, but I didn't need to know whether I gained a pound or four or ten that week. Um, Because what I heard in these rooms was, what difference does it make for you today? Like, again, that was really new to me. Why does it matter for me to know if I lost two pounds this week? Am I going to change the way I eat? Am I going to change the way I feel about myself? I hope not. But that is how I did it before. That that was a really good gauge of my of my self worth. Um, so, um, what um, what got me to these rooms was that I had my first child and um, I had been nursing her and um, exclusively, and she was six months old, and I was terrified of starting to feed her solid food because I felt I knew enough, even outside of these rooms, that that I had been past um an intergenerational family disease and I just didn't want to keep that going and but I had no idea how to do that and it terrified me to imagine a child growing up with me sneaking food and not wanting to brush my teeth because then I'd have to stop eating for the night and that was a tall order for me before I came to these rooms um and, uh, you know, and, and having to, you know, look around when, when my husband or somebody else would ask, like, what happened to the bag of cookies? You know, and he just never got it. He, like, real, like, every time, he'd be like, really? The whole bag? <laughs> the whole bag. And it's still a conversation that we have today because I live with three other people, and they eat foods that I can't eat um, and so sometimes I'm able to, to recognize that those foods are not my foods and sometimes I have to um, have a conversation about it and say like this food can't come into our house today um, or this food has to leave our house right now <laughs> can we put it in something that I won't you know open up and you'll bring it to work or you know we, we come up with plans and I didn't know how to do any of that it was unthinkable on to me until I came to this program. Um, so, so what happened was that um, I was in another program uh, to address my my family stuff and um, and get got some recovery from that. But what I wasn't able to gain um, certainly was recovery with my food and body. Um, and and I also didn't even realize that I needed the desperation that I got. You know, when I when I really took a look at what was going on with my compulsive overeating, I needed that in order to develop a real relationship with a God and to really work the steps. Um, and so I watched a fellow from my other program come into recovery in OA, and I knew from the moment she told me she was coming that I needed to be here. But I just wasn't ready. And I had been in a phase for a while of, like, Serious rebelliousness. So I mentioned that, like, a while back when I was a kid, I had done a diet and and periodically had been able to do that. So I have this part of me that can be, like, a really good student and a people pleaser and, like, really responsive to the rules. And it can last for a little while until my own motivation, my own insides have to kick in sooner or later. And I made a lot of mistakes in my life because I relied on the outside stuff. You know, it didn't work with, with diets. It also didn't work with a career choice I made and, and in recovery I've come to see like, oh my gosh, in my career too I have to want it from the inside. Oh. But um I didn't get any of those things before away, but I knew I needed to be here. Oh, I was saying that I was really rebellious. So I couldn't even conceive a child before um before I well, I think it was the grace of God, honestly, because I'd been told um, by a number of medical professionals from Eastern and Western medicine that I needed to change um, my relationship, my, my metabolism, basically, and they guided the way towards what basically turned out to be my, my food allergies, my alcoholic foods um, of refined flour and uh, and mainly um, sugar, and um, and at the time that I heard that, even though I thought, I want a baby more than anything, and my family has messed me up, and that's why I can't conceive, and my body is broken down because of my family, and no, I won't do what you're telling me to do. That was my, like, way of winning, <laughs> was to get to keep the the spoils, literally, in this case, the spoils of, of what I thought, you know, had happened to me. and um, And so... So I already knew, but wasn't willing to follow a, a plan of eating, and, um, um, and and so when I found out my friend had come into O.A., I still wasn't ready, um, and and that readiness came with with you know the the, the idea of, of giving solid food to my daughter, and when I arrived, I um, I felt right at home. I couldn't believe the warmth and love um, in the rooms and the fact that. Um, that people were willing to listen to my story, I was still really confused about whether I belonged because because I didn't have 100 pounds to lose, um, and um, and I still, in some ways, struggle with that. Like that, there's some outside. I don't know. Like I just, I'm still really attached to the outside. That's the truth of it today. Um, but, um, but I got a sponsor really fast. Um, someone who had what I wanted, and above all, I didn't even. I don't know if I could have told you right then what it was, except that she reminded me of the mom that I wished I had um, in in certain ways. And again, I, I really, I wouldn't have another mother today. But the qualities in a mother, in a parent that I that I miss even today. I now place in in the hands of a god, you know. Um, But it was sponsorship that taught me slowly, slowly what it means to be loved unconditionally and to give that love back outward. And so we began working the steps right away. um, And uh, we talked about what foods didn't work for me and all that. And I I was... um, Really gifted with with abstinence that uh, like that is refraining from those particular foods for me at that time was abstinence immediately, and had what I now see was like this pink cloud of months of being able to refrain, and some of that probably was that old way of being able to stick to the rules and and then at some point it shifted and um, not drastically, but certainly over the course of four years and another pregnancy and coming out of a pregnancy, um, my weight has fluctuated, and I think it's horrible that I'm not at my lowest weight. You know, there's a, a part of me believes that still, um, and I'm also getting to see that actually being that the road has narrowed so much that we're talking about. You know, I, I now I can have one, two dress sizes in my closet and the other three dress sizes don't have to be there for today and and I can also let go of them and trust that if I need to I will go and buy myself clothes that look becoming again you know that that a day at a time I can work that that piece out um and, and take God shopping with me um and make lots of phone calls you know but um but those things perplexed and baffled me when I first came in I was really terrified of losing weight and gaining weight both were scary right because they were associated with all those scary things like people thinking something about me that I'm not or not being able to achieve what I wanted because I'm this or that weight um and and today it's messier than that and also simpler than that that I might be you know I might be four pounds more or I five pounds less or I don't know exactly anymore but um, I do get indicators by the clothes I'm wearing whether they're tight or not and 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 what I hope for today is that those indicators are just indicators to like turn back to God turn back to the steps turn back into program and come to a meeting call someone who's struggling be honest about what's really going on with me um, and I learned to use those tools um, imperfectly so um, I can't practice a program today that's as rigid or as perfect as, like, the goody-good student part of me would like. Um, and thank God for that, because, A, it, it doesn't last. Like, imperfection, imperfection is impossible. Um, but, um, but also, I realize I'm actually of more service when I can be humble enough to recognize, like, that I'm imperfect and that it looks like what it looks like today, and um, and also, it's what being able to be imperfectly, perfectly in this program is what allows me to stay. So I have two kids under five, and I have a couple of careers I'm trying to make sense of, and we a lot of changes, wonderful changes that are really stressful in a, in my family. Um, that that are all possible because of this program, and and they, you know, those wonderful things in my life also constrain me, make me. Have less control than I did even before. Um, so I can't, for example, um, wake up at um, you know at five thirty and and meditate and and do my writing um, the way I actually. Occasionally, maybe did um, when I first came into program because at 5:30 my second child is wailing, um, calling my name, and and will continue to do that until I come to her. And I, I we're in a new house, and I I literally can't find a spot on the property where I can't hear her, crying really hard. And and it, it that's really tough for me today. That has, that brings me back to my knees over and over again because I, as I told you in the beginning, like my. Food issues are really rooted in a home life that was troubled. So being an imperfect parent, oof, it is just... It makes me want to eat everything in sight, you know, and then feel like crap. Um, But for today, I... um, you know, I, I, I moved on to a sponsor who had three kids so that I couldn't get away with anything when I said, no, I have two kids. And, da, 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 da. <laughs> and she would remind me that the disease, you know, grows in the dark. So how about turning over the food before you go to bed, even if you only get however many hours of sleep tonight? How about, you know, planning what you're going to eat tomorrow? even however many hours of sleep you'll get and how about um, doing that 10 step. so in this you know in these years in program I've been grateful to be guided through all 12 steps and now I'm you know I'm right back in 1, 2, and 3 but also really working on an imperfect step 10 and, um, and so I do that at night and I mentioned that you know with motherhood I'm, I'm really really challenged on a day-to-day and hour-to-hour basis and I I often, you know, I was, part of the reason I was so honored to come to the podcast is because I rely on these when I can't get to a meeting. I'll listen to them um, while I'm, you know, puttering around the house during a child's nap or something like that, or in the car even, and... uh and so, for anyone who's listening, um, or who's here today, and who has is similarly challenged, especially with parenting, I, I have to say that there's such isolation that comes with that. But I know it's not unique to parenting. There's so many reasons that we have to be feel alone. Um, that that I don't have to feel that way today, even when there's no other adult in sight. Um, and uh, and so so that the mothering issues come up in my inventory today. I have a little. Um, I realized that the A-E-I-O-U thing that, um, that I learned that has been helpful to me in the past wasn't addressing the R, which I was struggling which, with, which is rage. So um, I, I, like, check in with myself and with God about that. And, uh, and it's made a huge difference um, for me. Um, and uh, I want to leave some time for questions. So um, I just want to say um, that i thank you i um I've gotten so much from all of you and from this program i have I'm so honored to be to be a part of this this program of recovery and to know that that it's a tool, a set of tools that I get to have for the rest of my life for all the challenges ahead of me and um, and that that I get to be held in this embrace by by this God that I've developed a relationship with, and by any of you, even if I've never met you. Every time I'm willing, and for as long as I'm willing, to just, like, let go and and reach out. And um, so thank you all so, so much. Um, I'm happy to take questions. Hmm, yeah, well, sure. I've actually never thought about it that way, or at least not in a while. Um, I uh, should I do I have to repeat this? Okay. So the question was with regard to my career. Um, did did working step four, and and maybe also step six and seven with regard to defects of character have a, a role in, in 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 my journey? Um, and I would say certainly. I mean, I can't imagine doing any of my life right now without the steps and what happened for me in step 4 was i i i just got that release of like this this story you know that has so much talk about heavy weight <laughs> that was the heaviest weight was like all the things that had happened to me all my anger and i did i did the fourth step with my sponsor the the big book way with the four columns and i needed that because i needed to let people know how let God know that is, and my sponsor. But I used to think I needed to let everybody who'd listened know, and who'd seem safe know, um, all that had happened to me. And and then getting to see my part. So some of the the issues with my career had a lot to do with what turned out to be um, people pleasing and dishonesty, and just getting swept up. In, in ways that I can't blame myself for because I was so born into, in this case, not only a disease, but a family business I ended up in, you know, and because it had a lot of prestige and, like, connotations associated with it, I didn't think of it as a family business until somewhere in the steps I realized, like, I'm no different than a, you know, the guy who does his dad's blah, blah, you know, um, that I thought that would bring me love and attention and respect and uh, so yeah yeah I'm sure that those those steps had a lot to do with that and shame um, even even the idea that in you know in my 30s and so far into um, finishing a, like a big long degree that I could be switching gears and starting, what felt like starting over, had a lot of shame associated with it. Um, so I did an autobiography of shame um, in my fourth step as well that was really, really healing. Depending on that, how was, what was his reaction? Mm. Okay, so this the question was, thank you, the question was, um, had I entered program before or after I was with my husband and what was his reaction? Um, I was already with my husband. We got together our last year of, col- of college, and um, by the grace of God, that was—he was so not my type. He, i still wonder how we got we got together, but I'm so grateful. And um, and he, um, what was his reaction? You know, he's incredibly supportive on one hand, and on the other, he's enormous. me. Like there was a little bit of like, really? Do you really need this? Like, really, you're going to go to a meeting again? Are we done yet? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and um, at different points, I've had to get, you know, talk to sponsors and fellows and, and get support to, like, remember, this is important to me. Because anything that I share with him is clearly important to me, he's responsive to. Um, and I, that's been a big message from this program that works in my marriage Of day to day. It's like, am I, that my part, you know, if I'm angry at him about not giving me time or blah, 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 you know, Have I really been clear and and in a loving way about what my needs are? Oh, yeah. So it comes in different forms. Sometimes, and I'll just try and say them really quickly. One is um, I would get really angry when I go to pick up my daughter when she was really young, and I just was at a loss. You know, it's really fear that's under the rage. And so I was directed to walk in to pick her up repeating over and over again that I'm doing the best I can and and that would dissolve it it just didn't come up when I could keep that in mind and I also write letters to God and then have God write back and that will often help a lot um, and, I, um, and sometimes I just write out my anger um, and that again just kind of eases it um, I also call fellows and I have several sisters in program who I don't know when we've last seen each other in person because we're busy busy you know (laughs) but we have families and stuff and so we'll we'll leave messages of like we'll get cut off at four minutes but it's like we've had a mini meeting um and it's such a gift so i've had just also hearing my friends um in program be that angry and i have so much respect for them and would never you know judge them for that anger that's also i think god speaking to me yeah I was just wondering if you had a higher power when you came into program, and if you did or didn't, how has it developed since you've been in program? Well, I, I, how have I, have I? Did I have a higher power when I came into program, and and if I did or didn't, how has it developed since I've been in program? Well, you know, <laughs> um, I I think I've always had a higher power. I really do believe that the the higher power that I understand. For myself and and for the world is always there whether we choose to acknowledge that higher power or not. Um, but what what really changed for me was the connection or the companionship. I heard it once. I've heard the 11th step once described as the the companionship um, with a higher power and and not just the contact. And um, so I remember in my first year in program going skiing with God because fear again was such a big part of even my skiing, I just couldn't enjoy it because I was so tight, um, and so standing at the top of the mountain and talking to this God, coming from a family that was so steeped in all kinds of beliefs and reasons not to believe in God, and I have family, I have family that are hundreds of years of clergy, and I have family that are, you know, rabid atheists, but what was common among them was that we don't talk about a spiritual contact. Talking to God, please. Um, so that's changed, and it's really humbled me to recognize, like, these people that I might have judged before who do have that kind of companionship with God, they seem happy. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got something that I want. So, um, so that's really changed. And I've also been much more open to, um, to hearing about God from all different directions, in and out of the rooms. And so thank you all so much.